This is the Worth the Squeeze podcast. My name is Sarah, and I'm the owner of the Juice Goddess Super Soul Superfoods Cafe. In my years of bartending, juice tending, management, teaching, and professional artistry, I have experienced that connection is what people crave, especially in the midst of hardship. It is this craving that drives the passion of this podcast. It is to uncover the aspects of life in the business world, within families and relationships, personal health and wellness endeavors, and of living life in general, where we can celebrate the late nights, the uncomfortable growth, and the what the fuck moments, all to truly embrace and understand what truly is worth the squeeze. I have my really good friend, Bo DePena here. He is an Americana and country songwriter, performer, and producer. He's very focused on the business of independent music, everything from booking, tour logistics, accounting, taxes, digital distribution, and social media, pretty much all of the things. He is an avid outdoorsman, runner, fisherman, and hunter. He loves to cook at home from fresh ingredients, and he is truly one of my great friends, so I want to introduce Bo. Hi, everybody. Hey, Bo. How's it going? Um, it's really fun to have you here today, especially with my first podcast, because we have had a friendship that has a lot to do with business. For whatever reason, we always end up talking about business. And um, But I do have to say first is that we kind of had two near misses at friendship. Do you know this? I do remember that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Could have gone really poorly. Uh, I, well, I, I'm I'm only thinking of one. I can't recall the second one. So you you do the first one, the one that you know, and then I'll bring up the other one. The one that I can for certain recall is we were hanging out over at Donnie, our mutual friend Donnie's place, and you took a sip out of a out of a cocktail that had been made for you. At which point I thought it would be funny, knowing that you were a vegan, to say, "Oh yeah, we added some bone broth into that mix," and it you almost spat it out. Before which I was able to say, no, I'm just kidding. I was just messing with you. Yeah, that was almost really bad. (laughs) (laughs) But you laughed at it, which is great because it made me me realize how cool you were and you had a good sense of humor. So it was a really fun, like, first, uh, it was the first reaction or uh, interaction with you that I can really recall that sticks out in my mind from, like, the first time we got to hang out. So yeah. Yeah, that was definitely like our first social hangout instead of being at an event or whatever. Um, yeah, that was almost almost a deal breaker, but you pulled it off real nicely. And now we drink together all the time. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Salute. Um, so that was the second near miss. The first near miss was way back, the first time I ever met you. Um, and you might not even remember. But I was working at Riff Raff Brewing, busy Friday night. Um, so I'm running around like crazy. You come in to sing and I don't know anything about you. You walk in and I'm like, okay, yeah, attractive guy. Cool. Whatever. But I'm busy. So like, I'm not paying attention and you're wearing what you wear when you perform. So it's very like country Americana. And I'm, I, that was, that was my background, but not so much in recent years. And so 
I was like, oh, okay, whatever, like, whatever. And then you start singing and I did a double take, like completely stopped what I was doing. was like, who the hell is that? (laughs) Um, And I heard your voice and I was like, oh, okay, this, this guy's good. And it was, it was just funny because I feel like, and perception and all of that is just so, so different, right? I grew up in Southern California. The music I listened to has been very varied. And for whatever reason, I stepped away from country music for a long time. So I just kind of had this idea of, okay, it's going to be like everybody else, but you're not like everybody else. And so it really threw me for a loop and I stopped and I paid attention. So two near misses, because I almost just wrote you off as just like a regular, you know, bar performer and your you engage with people so much that you're not a regular performer at all. I think I'm glad you're talking about our current situation because that is something I wanted to kind of talk about because it's a little bit of why I decided now is the time for us to connect virtually like this because we're not going to get to see each other possibly for another month or two when normally we get to see each other about once a month or so. And um, I think that right now people are really looking for ways to connect with each other differently than they used to. So lately, you know, a lot of Instagram, a lot of Facebook, you feel like you're connected to somebody. But I think right now people want to hear somebody's voice. They want to see their face and they want to feel a little bit more intimately connected because it is such a a weird, confusing time. And I think when people are in a weird, confusing, trying time, that idea of knowing that they're not alone goes a long way. Um, so I'm really grateful that we're having this time right now. And I don't know if we would even have the time, the hours in the day to do this, if we weren't kind of having to sit down and relook at things. So I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about how your life, your business has changed in the last few weeks, starting with like, where were you when you figured out that things were going to get different real quick? And that you needed to change the path that you were on for your business over the next few weeks. It's, it's been a super wild ride. Um, I was, you know, I was really excited for March because I had uh, put together a full band tour uh, that was going to do about 10 shows uh, through uh, Wyoming and Montana and then ending in Colorado. And uh, you know, it was just now getting into the point where uh, my touring season really starts to pick up. I mean, the biggest, the biggest revenues I get really are any time between, I would say March and takes a little break in April kind of, and then May starts to pick back up. And then all summer is just go, go, go. So I was in the middle of this March tour and we had left and we had already known that the coronavirus was starting to cause some uh, discomfort among the community and among other people. Um, but we didn't realize it was going to get to the place where it ended up getting to. And I myself am not the type of person to really panic over these kind of things. I do, I do tend to think that, you know, sometimes we, we humans as, as herd animals can sometimes over-exaggerate and, uh, you know, the, the media can sometimes like try to perpetuate our biggest fears and our biggest concerns. But after a, after a few days in, I was like, oh man, this stuff is, is getting serious. Um, so we played our first four shows and ended up doing really well. We had great audiences and people came out 
And we had already started taking all the precautions. It was like fist bumps only. We're not shaking hands. We're not hugging people, you know, as much as we wanted to. We were like already starting to kind of be a little cautious. And then uh, we finished our last set on Sunday, which was a smaller set in White Sulphur Springs, Montana. And then that Monday, we all kind of woke up the next day after taking a long sleep. And I kind of looked at the looked around, opened my computer and kind of read up on the situation. And it was at that point that we decided, you know, we need to call this because this is getting real. Um, people are starting to, you know, hunker down and these businesses are really going to be hit. Um, so we called all the, the remaining venues and it turned out some of them had already planned on canceling uh, the gigs anyway. So it was kind of the right timing. I think it was that Monday of the tour, which I forget what day it was specifically, but uh, we, me and the venues and everybody kind of just clicked. It just turned on and said, all right, this is real. We need to, we need to call this. So I got a hold of all the guys uh, and I talked to my fiddle player, Ben Lee, Benjamin Allen Levy, who's one of my best friends and my producer and a great guy. He had flown out for it from Austin, Texas, landed in Denver. So he was the first guy I talked to because I said, okay, what are we going to do logistically? Uh, he didn't want to fly. So I was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cancel the tour drive us to Colorado the 10 hours the next day on Tuesday. And then the next day we're going to drive down to Texas, 15 hours, he and I, and we're going to just hunker down with our families. So that's what we ended up doing. Um, and we end, I, that's where I'm at right now. I'm here in San Antonio, Texas at my mom's place, uh, just because we decided it would be the better, the better move. And I've been pretty much at this house for two weeks. To your point, this is, a time when I'm really trying to re-envision what the goal is and what the future is for my business, because maybe it does make some more sense pragmatically to start shifting to a more um, digital uh, ecosystem or a digital friendly product. Um, so hopefully that means that it's going to improve what I'm putting out there and the music that I'm putting out there. It certainly has made me rethink about audio quality and trying to get better at singing because doing things in front of a camera really forces you and exposes you to like how good because when you're live the energy is there you know we yeah. talked about this um but when you're in front of a camera it's almost like you're naked i mean people can see every little subtlety the energy is not quite there to kind of kick people's adrenaline up and you know distract them from what's actually happening so you do have to get better in some ways so it might it might be good long term um to have this kind of break where people are reassessing their business and how they're functioning in the yes and i think it would behoove a lot of people to respond in such a way that they're not allowing this thing to put them in a play and you know it's, it's easier said than done because there's some people that really you know may not have it as fortunate or as well off um to sit and really think about those things because some people are really stressing out about this for for good reason but if you have the opportunity to take a breath and step back and analyze everything you've done up to this point and see whether or not it's the direction you want to go then it's good you know not just in your in your business um or in your creativity but also in your your health and your your family and your friends like redeveloping those relationships because i know that when i was go 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 and grinding i was not being the best friend or the best family member or the best you know contributor to society that i could always be because you get so wrapped up in the business of what you're doing so um this has been you know as, as odd as it is to say this has been a kind of reset and a refresh um, to try to do things better when things do start to pick up again. It's like, how do you, how do you go forward instead of 
instead of allowing that fear and the uh, the burdens to weigh you down, it's like, how do you use this as an opportunity to actually like remove your past burdens and your past, you know, uh, I can't even come up with a word, just your past. Um, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, the, there is a lot of bullshit. <laughs> like, how do you scrape that away in this during this time to say like, let's let's do better going forward, you know? For sure. How that totally makes me think we've talked about business and we've talked about creativity. How are you finding ways to take care of yourself? Like physically, mentally, emotionally during this time? I know, I mean, we're having tequila together. That's, you know, a good sipping. Sipping. Sipping, Yes. Yeah. Both of us are sipping. Yeah. I will do that right now. Cheers. but I know you love to run. I, I know you like to hunt and fish. So what are, what are some things that you're doing to self-preserve and take care of yourself and make sure that you are hitting all the bases so that you're not getting too hyper-focused on any one thing? Man, it's me. I got to tell you, I think I'm healthier in the last two weeks than I've been in the last two years. It's awesome. I've been getting out running, um, you know, trying to get myself back into running shape. I used to run marathons when I was living in New York city. Um, and that was a, that was a really interesting time in my life. I was unhealthy in other ways, but I was really <laughs> healthy physically. And, um, you know, it was, it, it's, this has allowed me to kind of start getting back out there. I, and I feel great. You know, I've been doing the running, I've been doing calisthenics at home, just like free weights and kettlebell, as well as doing a lot of yoga. I've, I can say I've never been this flexible in my life. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing. It is. More and people do it. I don't care if you're like the manliest man, whatever, you know, like football. yoga is so yeah. good for you. Football players have to be flexible. Basketball yeah. players have to be flexible. And I know, I know, yeah. yeah. And I know you're somewhat flexible because you sang karaoke one time at a bar and you did this like back <laughs> I did that kick too, I think, right? Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, and I was, was like, <laughs> "You're doing crazy Yeah, yeah. Whatever it was, was amazing. I was like, "Damn, <laughs> that guy." <laughs> this this podcast. One of the things that I'm very excited about. For one, you named it right. I mean, worth the squeeze. I I love the idea because I think what you're really trying to get out of this is what are the things that are worth doing and doing well and taking time and effort and struggling for. What do you, what are the things that you have to squeeze for to get the best out of life, right? That you really got to work for. And in the end, you know, if you're not putting in your hundred percent, 110% to like be the best Sarah or be the best bow that you can be, then you're not really squeezing it. You know what I mean? You're not milking it for everything it's worth. And, and I think um, you hit the nail right on the head because like, I don't know if you squeeze fruits very often with your hands, but if you... This morning. You did? We did mandarins this morning. Yes. Good well, job. I know. We didn't do it by hand. We, you know. The little juicer. Yeah. So if you get a... Say you get a lime that is an old fucking lime and you try to squeeze it, nothing comes out, right? Dry. 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 You're just like, fuck, that doesn't work. But if you get something that's ripe... And it's ready and you could you could hand squeeze it like you could just hand squeeze it right into your tequila right um and so i think when you're talking about that and one of the things i think is really important is learning not just how to squeeze it like sometimes we squeeze things to death right but learning 
which things are worth squeezing. Yep. And yep. learning like what you just said, you know, your fans, the the family members, the interactions with people, you are learning what's worth the squeeze. And sometimes it means you might have a headache, you might feel like shit, you might have felt like you just performed your worst and you still have to go out there and connect with people because if you don't, they're going to remember that you didn't. Um, and it's learning marketing wise and, um, t-shirts and all the things like what, what things are worth it. And I think that that is the eternal struggle <laughs> of a business owner, an artist, um, and even just human humans, like what is it, what relationships are worth squeezing all the goodness out of and being a part of. And what relationships are sometimes like, okay, I need to place that over here for now. Yeah, I, th I think that's super smart because uh, it, it seems like, and this is actually the next thing I wanted to talk to you about is while you're trying to have this balance of your artist side and your business side, which can sometimes seem like two different things. I know that there's this misconception that artists, and I consider you an artist, um, artists will never make money. They'll never be known until they're dead. Um, they're not, uh, they're, they're not very good at paying the bills or whatever. And, and I think those are like old misconceptions, but for some reason they still kind of traipse into the lifestyle of, you know, drunk, hungover, a lot of relationships gone. Um, you know, there's just a lot of bullshit around this idea of artist, right? And one of the things I appreciate about you is we talk a lot about the balance of that, you know, being a performer and going out at night and having drinks with your friends and the people that love your music, but also having this business side of where you want to take care of everything um, so that you have this prolonged life as a singer songwriter instead of just a flash in the pan. And so with this continued balance, we've talked a little bit about how you, you know, move in and out of that, but probably my biggest question on that, what is, what is the thing that keeps you motivated and productive when you have these two, almost like two separate things that are a huge part of your business? I, you know, it's still a struggle to this day. I mean, it, it's not, it, you know, I don't have, I don't have the right answer to anything, you know, when it comes to this stuff. And it's, uh, and the thing is, I, I actually don't even think that the criticisms of artists are particularly unfounded. Like, you know, here we, we have a tequila, we're social, we're social beings. And I think a lot of what we want to do is to connect with people. And unfortunately or not, it's, you know, the industry that we work in involves, entertainment going out and kind of parting and allowing people to to de-stress from their work life you know which is great but then that puts us in a position where if we want to do our job effectively it also involves this other element of kind of a party party atmosphere you know what i mean um and you and i have done it we've stayed out and drank after my shows like way too late and you know it's always fun um, but it does kind of drag you down because what you have to give up is all the other things that you, ha you have to do to maintain, which is staying fit, uh, keeping up with your, your accounting, you know, all the things that you should be doing, the administrative stuff that requires your mind and your body to be fresh and active. 
you know, because you're kind of making a sacrifice every time you go out and you stay out and you drink. Um, and there was a really interesting conversation I had out in uh, Grand at the Grand Targhee Resort in Alta, Wyoming, after our show just a couple of weeks back. Uh, somebody asked, like, how do you do it? Like, how do you how are you keeping discipline and avoiding, you know, drinking too much? And, was, and I couldn't give him a great answer because it's like, man, you know, something I still have to think about. And if I, and I don't I honestly don't have uh, an addictive personality where I'm addicted to alcohol or substances. I, I enjoy it. But when it comes to being in front of people and when I start to socialize, that's when it gets really hard for me to turn it down because I'm not addicted to the to the substance. I'm addicted to the environment and what we're doing. So unfortunately, that is part of the career. It's part of what I do. And I've kind of accepted that I'm going to have to find a balance. Like I, for me in my personality, my character, it's going to be difficult for me to say no, as long as I don't allow it to drag me down and get me to a toxic level. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to continue to try to have those relationships with friends and try to have a relationship with alcohol. Um, but you know, as long as I can continue, I think, I think the answer is, and this is me just thinking about, okay, once again, what am I going to do going forward? Yeah. This is a good question because it's making me think. I think, I think as long as I can continue to do the things that keep me physically active and that keep my mind sharp, then I can continue to have a healthy balance of socializing and having alcohol as long as I'm able to accomplish those things. And recently I've been really good about sticking to my calendar and like blocking out segments of my calendar that no matter what on those weekdays, you are dedicated to this for this hour. And if I got that, then I cannot allow alcohol to change that, or I cannot allow a party atmosphere to change that, you know? So that's going to be my neck, one of my experiments going forward into the future, but certainly it has been a struggle and it's a good, it's a good question because it's an ongoing answer. So we'll have to see how it, how it comes out often well, when this is appropriate, because right now I'm drinking tea and tequila. Yes. <laughs> try to balance each other out. The balance, exactly. right? Perfect <laughs> harmony. Well, yeah. and that's, you know, I typically, I get to see you during the day at the, at the juice bar and I'm serving you tea and like replenishing your body with juice and stuff. And then, you know, tequila later. So it's fine. It seems like a totally normal balance. And I think for you, and this is probably what allows you to do this, as you said earlier, you don't have that addictive personality, but you are a very motivated, driven person. Um, I did a little research as to what your Myers-Briggs means and it totally makes sense. <laughs> right. I told you it's, I mean, there, there's some negatives to that personality <laughs> as well, but yeah, that's totally me. Yeah, it's totally so from there, but let's, let's see what you pulled up. Well, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I had asked you to do the Enneagram and you're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Here I am on the Enneagram, but I'm really like, I feel like Myers-Briggs is where it's at and it has been Let's see. It was probably the last time I did the Myers-Briggs was when I was in college and that was a long time ago. So I had, I redid it and I think I'm the same thing, but, um, you are, what, what does ENTJ stand for? Ex so extroverted ex yep. uh, in intuition, I believe. Yeah. And then, uh, thinking and judging, judging. are the other categories. 
and they call it the commander. Man, <laughs> I know, right? So, so not musician, so not musician. I don't know where that came from. I know. Well, I feel like the intuitive, that's, that's the musician side. That's the, I, I feel it. I can, I, and that's, I think that's where you um, are able to connect with people really well. And then the extroverted part, obviously, you know, when you perform, if you were like a super introverted person, I don't think you would be able to maintain the lifestyle you have because you would get so drained so quickly, I think. Yeah. And if anything has shifted over the years, I would say I'm definitely becoming more introverted in my off time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you ask me what I want to do on any given weekday that I have off, it's like, don't call me, don't do anything. I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to have my cell phone well out of cell phone range, you know? And that's, that's the kind of person I tend to be um, when I'm not on the road or I'm not playing. But I think that just has to do with, you know, you're so socially drained, but at heart and in my, in, in my soul or in my, whatever you want to call it, uh, extrovert for sure. Yeah. yeah. I could totally see that. You said you're, you told me one time your mom is like the true extrovert though. Oh man, she's the chef. Like she puts me to shame. If I'm at like, you know, if I'm skirting the line between introvert, extrovert, and I'm like leaning extrovert heavy, she is like at a hundred percent of that side. It's just, it, 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 I love my mother to death, but yeah, that can drive me crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think it's awesome. Um, and then when it comes to the Enneagram, um, you're a one, you're a reformer, which makes sense. Commander, reformer. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. I just thought it'd be fun to hear what that means for you. Did you do any research on the Enneagram after you took the test? I did. So like when I think of, when I think of like reformer, a lot of people are thinking of once again, like that kind of more, more musical, free spirited mentality. For, to me, that's not exactly what that means. And I think I get a lot of this from my dad's side, which is he's very, he's very much a business person himself. Um, and he took many, many years to figure out what he, what was his calling as far as his career goes. And he's made many mistakes, but I've learned a lot about myself through watching him um, and the way he behaves. And the thing is when he, when I hear reformer, I don't think somebody that's out there trying to like cause a rebellion or like a revolution, but you do always question authority and you are trying to do things in a different way. You find those different ways of, of, I, I don't want to say working against the system, but kind of bucking the system and bucking the trends that people say you have to do something this way. Every time somebody tells me I got to do something a particular way, I'm like, fuck you, I'm going to do it another way. And you're going to appreciate the way I do it. And I'm going to kind of overcome, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that say in order to become successful in music, you got to go through this route. You got to go through this route. You got to get a label. You got to do this. I'm like, no, 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 no. I've got other ideas. I'm going to make this a small business. I'm going to do it grassroots and start it from the beginning. Um, yeah. And you've probably seen that in the way I behave and the way I try to tackle this whole thing. But that's, it's certainly like trying to be a shaker, like shake shit up and not, not allow people to just tell you how it's done. Yes. I, I've seen you do that before because I've heard you have conversations with people. Like I've been in conversations with you. I forget exactly what it was, but it was with Nicole. Um, God, what were you guys talking about at the juice bar? Talking about something, something political that we don't have to get into here. <laughs> no. It was interesting because like I am very much in any kind of political conversation. It doesn't matter if somebody's on the right or on the left. I will find a way 
to be uh what's the term to you be just a ask the question to yeah. be a contrarian like i don't let people get away with just saying something blatantly without having some sort of basis or understanding of what somebody else might think or even what they think like if they can't and i'm not saying nicole didn't nicole's incredibly smart um but i don't allow you know something to be said without trying to give it some sort of pushback in any in any realm totally. that and is I, you <laughs> <laughs> i like I, I think people should be and this had something to do with uh, the test that you sent me and it has a lot to do with myers-briggs is i'm not afraid of conflict because conflict gets you to where you want to be you know it gets you it gets you to find answers it gets you to question yourself and the others around you and the way you're doing things because without conflict you would never know if you were doing something right you'd just be living in your own bubble in your own mind and nothing would change and this situation that we're going through right now is a form of conflict and it's making people take a step back and reflect uh look at their reflection and ponder over it and say what am i doing right what am i doing wrong like what can we change about the, you know the way we navigate the world and the navigate industry and navigate uh, life and mm -hmm. social settings. So, you know, I, I have no problem ever questioning, even if it's somebody I agree with, sometimes I'll, I'll just fuck with them. I'll say like, yeah, but what about this? You haven't thought about this, you know, and like, I'll just kind of push them that way. So I, I think that's great. And actually I like, I like that you do that because I'm totally the opposite. I sent you what my Myers-Briggs is, but I'm, introverted introverted intuitive so that's the same feeling and then i think perspective is what it says but i'm the healer so you know i'm just trying to heal everybody and <laughs> stay away from conflict <laughs> which which is beautiful too i mean i think i i think the the one of the things that makes people and societies and civilizations so interesting is that we are so incredibly different. We're one of the most, if not the most diverse species. Like we're all one species, but how many people have you met that I'm, you're like, you're the same fucking thing as me? Like you're the same animal as me. Like I'm a little dude, I'm like five foot four, weigh 135 pounds, you know, on a good day, whatever, good or bad, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. And, and nonetheless, there's dudes out there walking around that are six foot 10 and weigh 350 pounds and are just like, they look like they could eat me. And so you, you realize that the beauty of humanity is that we are so incredibly different. We have so many distinctions between from per, one person to another. And that's one of the things that I like about these tests. They kind of, you know, and, and nothing's a perfect science in my mind. Like I think that because we are so fluid and we're such an interesting, uh, dynamic species that you can't really box anybody in specifically but you can kind of look at them and say like okay you exhibit xyz personality or xyz traits and say you know it's beautiful that you have that trait because i don't have that trait and you're filling in the gaps in my life or you're filling in the gaps in our community that i can't fill and that's a really cool thing so that's that's one of the wonderful things about having friends like you you know and maybe one of the reasons that you and i are such good friends is because we are so different you know it's very cool and i think that that's very valuable to understand that among among ourselves or understand that in the context of the broader society song um what do you what do you think you're gonna sing uh so we talked about i think i'm gonna do the new one okay 
since you're down in Pagosa Springs, this is a song um, inspired by the town of Pagosa Springs. I played down there during the Archelena County Fair. And uh, this song is called Colorado Rose. When I was sitting at the uh, on the bleachers at the county fair, the sun was going going down behind us, and the mountains are in the foreground uh, behind the the rodeo riders. And it was just such a beautiful sunset. It turned the mountains like this awesome shade of purple, and just kind of everything was popping. All the colors were popping, and the rodeo was still going on. I thought, man, somebody could fall in love in this place. And then later that night, go down to a a bar in town and one of the bartenders was the barrel racer and i thought well perfect that's a that's good inspiration right there and she was cute and i thought all right so why not write a song about falling in love with a barrel racer so i wrote a few notes down and decided to kind of kick the can down the road and then a few months later i finally sat down with it and i think i first first uh performed the song in december of last year it's called colorado road Sundown turns the mountains purple and lights up the golden hair. She tips her hat down. As she's riding at the Archuleta County Fair, it ain't the first time that I've seen her barrel racing in July. Summer nights bring back memories. Of a time she made me cry. Cause she can rope and ride, stay up all night. She can steal your heart, but then she'll say goodbye. And when the east wind blows and the fairgrounds close, She'll leave you in the dust as she loads her horse and goes Off rides my Colorado road. It doesn't sound like you probably have much time to do this, but have you been watch, binge watched any TV recently? Yes. Bring it. What do you think? <sighs> I don't know. I'm like, it's either going to be like Yellowstone or something. No, Tiger King. Oh, God. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had to watch it. it was, there was so much buzz around the thing. I will say this. I'm, I'm a big fan of documentaries. Yes. I, I really, I, I love learning when I watch TV. I, I, I don't really watch television that's like drama or whatever. I, you know, I'll watch some stand-up comedy podcasts and, uh, you know, other forms. I loved Breaking Bad. I thought that was some of the best television I've ever experienced. That being said, I don't really watch a lot of TV, but watching Tiger King was so entertaining. It, it, I'm conflicted 
here's why I'm conflicted. I think it's some of the best television I've ever watched. It's so entertaining. It's so great. But at, for, as far as like a documentary is concerned, I'm not fully convinced that the director was like a hundred percent like truthful in the way he put right. things together and like manipulated things. Granted, a lot of documentarists tend to have an agenda. For sure. Um, so you, you got to take them all with a grain of salt and nobody's ever a hundred percent of the right. But I think with this particular situation, the way he put the show together was like purely to be entertainment. It was somewhat informative. I'm sure it changed people's, you know, thoughts and opinions on certain things. But the way I looked at it was like, this is very interesting about the state of the world or the state of a particular, you know, happening in Oklahoma. But in the end, I'm more entertained by this than I am informed by this. And I, I think I thought it was very compelling television. It's great. <laughs> totally and i have learned um years ago when i was a teacher there was a um researcher her name was ruby Payne, and she researched poverty and stress and when people are going through a time of poverty and stress the number one thing that they will spend their time effort energy money on is entertainment and that is why like wwe wrestling is like so popular and porn and things like that because it gets you away from reality yeah. for a minute and i think that's why the tiger king is so popular because everybody's super stressed out and this is like the best time to just forget about well, life here's the other fascinating thing about tiger king and I, I think about this a lot um all right now we're getting loose which is good i feel like this podcast is going to go longer than we intended it's but fine this is, this, no this is where like the good stuff is going to come out yeah. I, so one of the things that I, I think is really valuable about good narrative is that there's not, there's really very thin lines between right and wrong. Yeah. And one of the problems with today's society, and I think hopefully maybe like this disaster is somewhat of a shakeup is that we're so polarized and we're so like rigid in our ideologies and our beliefs that we don't allow for the room that maybe we're wrong and maybe within us exist angels and devils that are constantly at battle with each other. And one of the fascinating things about Tiger King that makes it such a compelling narrative is that you don't really know who's right and wrong by the time you're done. And you're just on episode two. So you've been, you haven't even gotten to the crux of things yet. You don't even know. No. But there are characters within it that upon debut that you say like, oh, what a piece of shit or oh, what, a, what an angel or what a great person. And then like halfway through the series, you realize, like, holy shit, I don't know what's right anymore. Like you, it, it blows up your perception of who's right and wrong, who you empathize with, who you hate, who you despise. And the reality is, is that that's life. Yeah, that is how life works. You have enemies and friends and then your friends become enemies and your friends become or your enemies become friends. And that's that's more close to reality than what when anybody who like tries to project themselves as like so ideologically or morally like, you know, uh, superior can really do. That's not compelling narrative. If you just tell me you're just like this perfect being and that's like what you project, it's like you're probably full of shit. That's not real. But you give somebody, you get out there and you say, hey, these are all my fucking flaws. This is the person that I am. You accept it or you don't. And I'm going to do some great things. I'm going to do some shitty things, but come along because this is the way I want to go on this ride. That's real life. And I think that's one of the things about watching Tiger King that makes it such compelling television is that you do go through those ups and downs of like 
befriending one or empathizing with one and then completely flipping and then vice versa with other characters. It's very interesting. So Well, and I think that that's a beautiful thing about the human condition all the way around is that like I, I grew up being very, very judgmental and very black, white, right, wrong. This is the way things need to be, have to be, must be. And I am evolving and learning and I'm still not, obviously I don't have it figured it out. I don't have it figured out, but that some of the people that I would have been so judgmental of are the ones that I see now doing such beautiful things. And sometimes it's the people that you least expect that will do the most beautiful things. And, and sometimes vice versa, you know, the ones you think are going to have it all together and choose the best path are the ones that don't. And so, and you know, whatever that means, the best path. And so it's, it is a really beautiful way of navigating life when we are able to cut down a lot of those judgments about people and figure out that we are all more than what meets the eye. Because honestly, if you look at like just the pictures of the show, it's really easy to like totally negate it and make fun of it. Right. Um, or to put labels on all the people in the show and call them names or whatever. Um, And I think what's beautiful is that they're all human. That is interesting. A friend of mine uh, that I've known since I was two, I've known him forever. He, I asked him what his superpower was one day. So that'll be my next question for you. I asked him what his superpower was. And he said, reading people, I can read people instantly. And it's true because I was at a music venue with um, him and with Gavin. And there was a fight that was about to break out. And Gavin's response was going to be, smash <laughs> you know? yeah, smash <laughs> yeah and my friend rob's response was this guy needs a hug <laughs> uh, and, it, but... yeah and but rob's you know six foot a million and 300 and something pounds he's like the guy you were talking about earlier the opposite of Bo. and right. he just hugs the guy and the whole situation ends but to the point is that I had asked him what a superpower was and he said, reading people. And he goes, but what's funny, Sarah, I've known you since we were two and you are the one person, if I saw walking down the street, I'd have a really hard time reading because of the tattoos within the hair, but you're like really clean, but artistic, but I can't tell if you're like, you know, where you stand politically just by, you know, he, he said, I have such a hard time reading you. And he's like, I wonder if people don't know what to do with you sometimes when they meet you because you look so friendly, but also so like scary. <laughs> that might've been like my first, my first thing, like my, like I, I can agree with him with that. You seem like to be an enigma of some sort, but I feel like after the, the night we hung out at Donnie's, like all that was just like, oh, whatever. Okay. Yeah, because you tried to feed me chicken broth. <laughs> Bone broth. Bone broth. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> um, not vegan broth. <laughs> not vegan. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Uh, if you were not a singer-songwriter, what would you choose as a career? Ooh, uh, some sort of outdoors guide. If I had to do like a, like a passion career, yeah, that would be an outdoors guide, fly fishing guide, hunting guide. Uh, backcountry guide, something, something to that effect. Yeah. Cause I, I, I'm just, I'm just very passionate for the outdoors. I have 
uh, I've done marathons. I've been involved in fitness and for my whole life and, uh, nothing has been more challenging to me than going out into the back country and doing like a real outdoors hunt and being like having to move up and downhill, like the way I was with a heavy pack on my back, a pack full of meat and a pack full of everything. And doing that back and forth six times was quite the experience. And when I got back to that, my, uh, my car, and was able to put down that last pack after five days of hunting with no shower, no like proper, you know, facilities to like clean myself up or sleep or whatever. It was, it was an amazing experience, but my body was completely drained. It was worth the squeeze. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you put your body and your energy and your mind to its maximum effort and then you finish and you just feel like you've done it like that. You can't get that feeling from anything else other than just pushing yourself, you know? Absolutely. That's not a half squeeze. That is like full squeeze. It's the whole thing. Uh, words of encouragement for others right now. I feel like there are, you know, maybe there's a struggling musician or, um, you know, a teenager trying to figure out their way in life or just a stay at home mom that's stuck with kids at home and wondering what this whole fucking thing is going to look like in a couple of months, what would be your words of encouragement to somebody listening that might be struggling through some things emotionally a little bit right now? I think with every crisis or every mishap or every, um, you know, negative event that happens in our life, there's opportunity. And I think the people that really succeed in this world are those that can power through those, those, um, uh, those tough moments to realize that there's always a silver lining. You just have to, you just have to work towards it and you just have to see it. You have to envision it. And a lot of what we do as humans and a lot of the value that we create in society and in life and a lot of the things that are good, they don't, they don't come from like money and those things. Like, yeah. Like once again, we had this conversation, money's important. It's a tool. It's a resource, right. That we use, but it's not that everything good, comes from like money or success or these they come from us they come from people they come from our vision they come from our um what we are willing to create in our minds so uh even in situations that seem dire the the human spirit is what allows us to overcome those things Mm. that's it like you can't if you allow situations to Uh, negatively impact you so much so that you are debilitated and you can't move then that you should avoid that at all costs is what I'm trying to say and even in in survival when they teach you survival you know and I'm not being all survivalist or anything but I'm saying even when you're out in a survival situation the number one rule stay positive stay positive keep a positive mindset because as soon as you lose that you're done so we can make it better or we can make it worse. In the end, that's up to us. So that's the, so thank, thank you for doing this and inviting me on. I'm honored to be the first guest and uh, let's see where this goes. Yeah. Thanks, Bo. All right. Do you have an official sign off or anything like that yet? I don't know. I mean, should we, should we make one? You want to uh, sing a jingle? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> I'll have to think about that one. <laughs> but you gotta have like a little catchphrase like go out there and squeeze, squeeze it, it. <laughs> <laughs>
we're we're gonna have to think of that um so maybe i could put a shout out to people listening what should be our end phrase like uh worth the squeeze stay juicy stay juicy i do like that one stay juicy bo all right stay juicy sarah (laughs) thanks bye talk soon